You are listening to Believe, Strive, Achieve, Endurance Podcast with Diogo Custodio. If this is your first time listening, then thanks so much for coming. Get ready and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Believe, Strive, Achieve, Endurance Podcast. My name is Diogo. Today with me, I've got Coach Philip. How are you, Philip? I'm not too bad, Diego. How are you? I'm not too bad. Um, we are here to talk about our guest for this podcast. Um, I don't know if you know him personally, Philip. I don't think I've met him, actually, no. But I know he's uh, both a friend of yours and someone whom uh, you'd, uh, you were coaching and have still been coaching again. Um, but obviously the fact that you were and then are now, there's an interruption there, which I think is the uh, the story we're looking forward to hearing. Yes, that's correct. So our guest today is, is going to be a special one for me. Um, he's one of my best friends. He's been coached from me. Well, he's been coached by us since January last year, actually. Um, and in August last year, he had a huge, huge crash on when riding his bike. And uh, after one, one month in coma, when we were all thinking the worst, um, he just started recovering. And in January, he started training back again. And in March, he did quarter sprint triathlon. And as he said, it was quite easy to finish that. So this is going to be quite an interesting one for, for us to, to listen to his story, to listen to how he managed the recovery, how, how he's still managing the recovery. Um, it's going to be quite special, I think. Yeah, that, sound, that sounds really uh, amazing, really. I think... I mean, I'm, I've known the story, obviously, from a, an outsider's perspective, I guess, hearing from yourself that he had been in an accident and uh, obviously, as a result of that, was going to pause coaching. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, the, the practicalities of it, um, which existed at the time and obviously the impact that it had on you as well, because, um, uh, you know, you, you talk quite openly about how um, his accident then sort of made you think about riding a little bit and, and where you were riding. So I think, you know, his... Um, his story is going to be really, really powerful. I think potentially even quite emotional because I think a lot of people will know people who've who've had bike accidents of varying degrees and it can quite easily go wrong. Um, and this is a story when it does. But thankfully, with what sounds like a fairly happy ending because he's come back and smashed out a sprint yeah, distance yeah. Uh, in our local local haunts near Villa Mora in Quatera. And um, yeah, he's, he's back on it, which is amazing. It's an amazing story to hear. And I think that uh, those who are going to listen to this podcast have a huge lesson to take um, from not just not just the recovery, but overcoming the fears, the traumas, the, the accidents. Uh, to be honest with you, uh, if it was with me, I'm not sure I'll be able to go back on a bike again. And I know how this affected my my bike riding, um, the risks that I usually used to take when going down. But nowadays, I don't do it anymore. Um, the accident was not with me, but the fact that it was with someone that is quite close to me uh, affected me somehow. And I think that um, what the well, people will hear about him, but uh, his, his name is David. What people will see is that um, the way he he just recovered from this and the way he faces life nowadays uh, is a huge, huge lesson for, for all of us. And I'm very excited to, to do this conversation with him. And I cannot wait um, to start. And tell me, the the story, obviously, we're going to hear from, from David and yourself and the impact. 
Um, do you think there's going to be stuff which you'll uncover which maybe you didn't really know? Because you've spoken to him about this, obviously, in your own time beforehand. But do you think the stuff that uh, will come out of this that you didn't really know or hadn't really realised just because it's a bit more of a, a sort of a, a structured or an organised programme? Yeah, I think that's the conversation with David. Um, I have had a chance to, to talk with him quite a lot of times about uh, everything and uh, his his philosophy to, to life now is, is different from what it was before. So I believe that this podcast, his conversation with him is going to be just some, some more information that we can get out of it. Um, as I said to you, this is a special one. Uh, he made me see things a different way. Uh, even this weekend we were together and we were talking about that and it's funny how the small things matter most after this um, so it's going to be I don't say emotional but special well let's look forward to it I'm looking forward to hearing this and uh, and hearing the lessons as you said it's definitely going to be an emotional uh, one and uh, and one which I think will be quite quite um, quite interesting and, and moving for people to listen to so I am looking forward to it. Diego, over to you. Thank you. See you guys in a minute. Hello again, everyone. So today our guest is David Maia. He's a triathlete, he's a coach athlete, and he's also a physiotherapist, a sports physiotherapist, and a very good one, um, as long as I can say. Um, David has a very interesting story to tell us, um, not just his life uh, way, but also last year David has suffered a huge crash when he was riding his bike and um, today he's going to share with us a little bit the, the story about uh, all the recovery that was uh, needed to to bring him back to normal life and bring him back to, to training again and to racing again so i believe this is going to be a quite interesting story as i commented with philip before but uh, there is no one better than david to to tell us how how it was but first of all let me welcome you david how are you Great right now, great. I'm, yeah, uh, hoping to pass on a, a bit of uh, advice. If uh, you're in triathlon and if you like triathlon, I hope I can spare a little bit of knowledge I have. I believe you're going to do quite a, a great job with it. But first of all, David, let me ask you, let's, let's go a little bit back in, in your life. How, how triathlon and sports show up in your life? So... Uh, I started swimming when I was three years old and when I was around 15, uh, I got bored of swimming and wanted a little bit more, wanted something uh, more demanding. Uh, and fortunately I joined the club that focused on triathlon uh, and they asked me if I wanted to try to do a, a bit of triathlon. Uh, I didn't like running, but you know, running is kind of like, it's not a first love. Sometimes it takes a while before you fall in love with it. Uh, I started doing triathlons since then, and it's been 15, 16 years since I started. And so far, I'm, I didn't get enough of it. How old were you? 14, 13 when you started? 15, yeah. Well, I'm 30 now. So it was just swimming and then straight back to triathlon. Yes, uh, the, I already cycled with my father before, uh, nothing too serious, but a bit. Running was definitely the first step on it. Uh, swimming was kind of like, 
you know, I started when I was three years old, so I wasn't any stranger to it. Uh, and it was fun doing three things at once instead of just the one. Uh, we have an expression here that uh, swimming is counting tiles. You just swim and you just count the tiles from one end to the pool. And I had enough of it and I wanted more. So triathlon is a pretty good option for it. I think it is. Um, and then you, you went to study for, for physiotherapy. Was that something you always wanted to do when you were younger or just showed up with time? Uh, it, it showed up. And ironically or not, it showed up because of triathlon, because uh, I was finishing my uh, school, basically, wanted to pick a, a superior course. And I, I had questions. I didn't know where, what to follow, what to study. Uh, I already did triathlon at the time. I was around 17, 18. And of course, everybody goes through that. I had an injury. Uh, nothing too serious, uh, just a slight uh, nag on my shoulder. And I went to the physical therapist so he could help me out. And I just, I started to think, well, this is something I could do. And it's interesting. It's a, a profession that besides helping people, it's really, really interesting. It's a, it's kind of like a, an advanced mechanic. Basically, you're, you start to work with interesting uh, details. You start to help people the way they sometimes don't realize you can uh, facilitate some things. That's the basic gist of it. So I, I started to uh, learn physical therapy. I went through the course. And honestly, you never stop learning. You learn things every day. I think that's, well... That should be common to almost all jobs that uh, if you stop learning something, you're doing something wrong. Exactly, exactly. Every day you learn something new and you can improve and you can bring all the, the new things you learn, you can bring them to people. I think that's the most important part. And do you think that being a physiotherapist gave you some kind of, um, or should I say it, another vision of how to be a triathlete and how to do things? Yes, yeah, sometimes uh, when people are athletes in general, uh, they have a tendency to focus on just the results. And that's the not, not the most important part. Uh, and what experience as a triathlete and as a physical therapist lets me know is that um, what's, what helps you achieving results is enjoying things is doing things uh, smoothly don't forcing things and letting things come to you don't try and find them i think that's the the gist it's more of uh, enjoying the process than the result exactly the result is not important if you enjoy the process the results will come mm -hmm. and i believe that you have a lot of triathletes and runners where, where you work at correct yes a lot yeah <laughs> And um, so the reason why we are doing this podcast is for you to share a little bit what happened uh, last year. So David is a coach athlete from TTH. He's one of my best friends. And um, last year in August, I, I remember having a phone call from one of our friends. I was riding with David saying that um, he had a crash, a serious one. I know that you don't remember anything. That's that's very good for, for you. Um, 
do you can you just let us know what what happened in that day if well, according to what you have been told yeah exactly so i had a crash a bicycle crash uh while training on my bicycle uh i don't know the details because i lost my memory for, of, of the incident and basically i had a head-on collision with a truck and uh, Basically, hospital went to a coma, uh, a lot of broken bones, and it was a tough recovery. And like you said, fortunately, I don't remember much of it, so it wasn't exactly stressful. Uh, when I woke up, I was in the hospital, don't remember things, things are a bit hazy. But uh, it's, it's, it was about half a year ago, but... Uh, Recovery is going well. I already did a triathlon so far, so I can't complain. Um, I think the biggest shock was uh, the people that knew me, knew what happened, and that was the toughest part. It was the toughest for them. For me, it wasn't all that tough. And also, I had the fortunate, uh, the fortunate of... Uh, Doing, being a triathlon and a really coached one, a really good coach one, because my physical characteristics helped me recover. Mm -hmm. That helped me a lot. And I have to thank my coach for it. <laughs> and uh, what helped me recover was my background as a physical therapist. So I had everything set in front of me. And all I had to do was grab and mm -hmm. went with it. For how long have you stayed in coma? Do you remember? Uh, I heard it was around one month in coma. And then after that, I started to regain conscience. Although I still don't remember because in the hospital, whatever they give you, you, you can't think straight. You don't remember. You don't do anything. Uh, and I spent around two to three months in the hospital before mm -hmm. being released. So for, um, for people to have an idea... When you say that you broke a few bones, um, I would say that there are a few bones that you didn't break in that in, in that accident. Um, one of the the things that helped and saved your life was the helmet. And um, I remember seeing the picture of the helmet after the crash. And if it wasn't for that, I think we were not having this conversation right now. Um, but it's funny that when we talk, uh, both of us, about the, the recovery, You usually say that once you woke up from the coma, you don't remember it. But what you have the memory is to be in a very dark place where you don't know what's reality, what's uh, what's not reality. Um, do you think that's the body trying to protect you from, from what happened? Yes, definitely. Uh, there comes a time when you start to regain consciousness. You have uh, weird dreams that you don't know if they're true or not. You don't you're not sure if uh, what you're seeing is actually happening or not and it's uh like uh, my doctors told me it's a way of our brain to cope with something new and try and figure out what's going on and that's one of the reasons i probably lost my memory uh is something that your body doesn't want to know it locks up and puts and throws away the, the key so mm -hmm. There's no need, and I 
I'm thankful thankful for that because there are things I rather not remember. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Even nowadays, when you go for a bike ride, you don't have any any fears because you don't have any memory from what happened. But um, from our side, that we lived not the crash, but uh, being around, I, I have to be honest with you. I have a few fears when going down on the bike right now. Um, do you think that gave you another perspective on how to do things now? Yes, uh, basically, uh, right now, uh, I reduced my risk factor. Uh, back when I was training, I risked quite a bit on a lot of things. Uh, right now, perspective showed me some things are not worth it. As long as you're having fun, you're enjoying things, you're relaxed, that's the most important thing, and it also helps you. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to chase uh, a goal that either could be risky or could uh, uh, reduce your enjoyment of things. That's the most important part when you're doing something is that it gives you happiness. That's the most important part. I agree. Um, So you were one month in coma, then you woke up. You don't remember much of it. I believe it was around two to three weeks after that that you start having the conscience back. And um, how was the the process of recovering in terms of physically, not just mentally, but physically from it. I know that you went for physiotherapy for quite a bit. Um, how was that process after the, the accident? So I started physical therapy right at the hospital. Uh, had a few colleagues um, that uh, started to work with me, just working on walking, uh, using my arms again, uh, Climbing, climbing upstairs, you know, just one step at a time, one, uh, exactly one step at a time while climbing stairs. Uh, but I was a bit stubborn. Uh, sometimes I wanted to get out of the chair. I wanted to get out home and uh, I was annoyed because, no, I can do that. I can do X, but they put some brakes on it. They made me, no, slow down. Uh, after getting out of the hospital, Uh, I went to a rehabilitation center that's here in Portugal and they helped me a lot. It's actually right across my college where I uh, got my profession and I actually was treated for a couple of colleagues and teachers of mine. So that's weird. (laughs) And I also went to my clinic where I worked and also my colleagues there helped me out and the familiar faces helped a lot and the thing is usually when we we hear people that have these kind of crashes and they went to re- rehabs and uh, physiotherapy they try to have a normal life however as a triathlete you don't have a, a normal life you you want to go swim you want to go bike you want to go run and i know that uh, your wife was not very happy when it told her i want to keep doing triathlon but um how was the reaction from your family? Because they saw everything and they saw your recovery. They saw how hard it was for you to go back to, to normal life. How was for them to, when you told them, I want to go back training and I want to keep doing this as, as before? Well, they, they knew I would go back because I'm stubborn like that. They know me. Uh, they were scared at first, obviously. Uh, but I tried to put them a bit at ease, try take things slowly, one step at a time. 
and they basically accept it because uh, one thing I learned is that if I'm still able to do it, if I still I'm still able to enjoy doing the things I enjoyed, I'm not throwing that thing away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not just going to stop to do something I like uh, just because uh, some people can't or shouldn't. Uh, I like to to have fun. I like to enjoy. So um, I kept going. So would you say that if you were not doing this, you're not being living almost at exactly. all? Exactly. I got an, a, a second chance at life. I'm not going to let it go to waste. Yeah. With re- less risks now, please. <laughs> yes, less risks, yeah. And um, so the accident was in August. Uh, it took you a while to, to start walking back again, to start moving your arms again. And I remember that in November, you just said, Diogo, I want to go back training. Uh, so get ready because in January, we will start over again. And um, I remember this was a process, even for me, try to think, okay, how am I going to deal with this? Because you have to think about all the trauma that your body suffered and um, how everything needs to be done properly in order to avoid any kind of problems. How was the process of going back to I was I was I wouldn't say training, but to moving your body actively uh, back again. Uh, one of the first things that helped me, and uh, while I was uh, in the hospital, uh, already asked people to it is uh, the pool uh, swimming again, because uh, there's no risk of impact, be it running, be it cycling, uh, the weightlessness and uh, you tend to use more range of motion than usual. And it was the first step to recovery was indeed the swimming part. Uh, After that, cycling was kind of like um, uh, facing the beast, you know, just facing the fears, just trying it out, seeing how you feel. And the main thing you should do when coming back from something like this is just take it one step at a time. Try it out easy, try it out slowly, and what works, works, and then you can keep adding one thing at a time. As long as you just don't jump jump in again, just take it slowly. Um, do you remember how much weight you lost from the accident? I know how much weight I had before and when I got out of the hospital. Uh, before the accident, I was around 65 kilos. When I got out, I was 60, around right. that. And I'm asking uh, because um, you had to gain all the muscle mass back over again. Yes. Uh, and that's what the physical therapy helped me do. Uh, it helped me strengthen up everything I had before. It wasn't just eating. It was working out. But the correct style of working out, just not pushing, but taking things slowly, doing things that uh, were hard for me. And the pool also helped. And I got back basically all of the weight. I'm right now sitting on 66, 67. So, yeah, things went well. (laughs) Yeah, now we look at you and you have the normal body that we used to, to see at um, would you say that being a physio helped you 
just rebuilding everything back over again because what happens most of the times is you guys as physios know that when you tell athletes to do some kind of exercises the athletes will never do it some of them do but some of them will just say i didn't have the time to do that um but do you think that knowing all the presses that process that all the athletes need to go through to recover from an injury to recover from a trauma do you think that helped you uh to get back quickly because if you think about it the accident was in august so you were one month in coma so you woke up in september mid-september it took you one month to go back walking again almost normally and this is already october in november you were already swimming in december january you were already training triathlon do you think that was the secret knowing all the process the background of the process to get back to it um in this short period of time i think the secret is uh, willpower if you want it uh things will happen so uh if someone tells you okay do this exercise or work this thing out or work whatever out if you want to achieve it uh take the help that it's given if someone advises you to do something they're not advising you just because they believe it will help you and take all that help you can because it will be valuable definitely and that's what helped me mm-hmm. all the people that i had around me yeah i remember that one of the things you said to all of us uh, to our group of friends is that the being present was almost 50% of the work to get back to normal life um so in january we start training and you just said, i remember that you said to me i want to go race in oedesh which is a race now in in the end of may and i said okay that's half a year almost to prepare everything but then in mid february you said well there is a triathlon in portela it's a very famous one in portugal i know that some of the athletes in um, in dth already did it as a preparation for the training camps and you said diogo i think i can do this one um so we start working to finish quartera how was to be back on a race line again it, it was wonderful uh basically it was kind of like uh, i faced it like ending a chapter the chapter of the the injury i had and seeing all my friends again and a race feeling a race again having fun and i needed to i needed to know i could go back at it that's basically it and that's one of the reasons i fought for it and fortunately when the time of that ra- that race came up i wasn't thinking about it uh, firstly but i was feeling good and i thought no i can do this there is no reason i shouldn't uh, be able to So I decided, well, I'll keep I'll do the same event I had planned, but this one is closer and uh I like that race a lot. I did it a couple of times. And if it's here and if I'm able, why not? So I went for it. Yeah, one of the things we changed in our approach of training um was forgetting about paces. I don't care about paces. Well, just the heart rate that's something we need to take in account. But um I remember having this conversation with you is like okay, we don't care about the pace because it's going to be completely different from what it was before the crash. So let's just start 
moving back over again, doing slow stuff, short stuff, easy stuff. And when this race came up, the Cortella race was like, okay, I think you can do it. It's one hour something effort. That's not a big deal. Um, but don't look at the watch. Don't look at the pace. Just have fun. And I remember that um, I saw some videos. I was not present in that race. Um, but I saw some videos of the finish line. And there were a few friends of ours just watching the race. And um, it, it can be quite, quite emotional. Because when you think about how close the accident was and how quick you went back to normal and back racing uh, that was quite quite special um, what piece of advice would you give to someone that I won't say they need to be in the same situation but is finding themselves in a very dark place and they, they need to go back to to it again what piece of advice do you think would be the best to, to give I think is uh, if you're in a tough spot and you don't know what you should feel like with triathlon, just try and figure out what does uh, racing or triathlon, what does it mean to you? How does it help you? And if it's something positive, if you like doing it, no matter the results, uh, no matter what people think, if you like doing it, then just take it easy. Just don't uh, fret. Just uh, take things smoothly, have fun, enjoy with your friends. If you have someone to train with, then you can uh, set your goals helping them, for example, helping someone train or just hanging out with them, talking about races. Uh, taking it like a social thing. I think it helps a lot. Don't don't worry about results. Results will come up, whether you want to know or not. Uh, and it's not the most important thing. Yeah, it's a process, as we said at the beginning of the, the podcast. Did anything change? Um, well, a lot of, of things changed, but uh, did you change anything on the, the way you train right now? I know that, for example, for your wife, there is now a new tool that you must use when you go out on your bike. Yes, uh, basically I start to use a live track on the, the bicycle computer so she knows where I am, uh, how I'm doing. So basically keeping, keeping her uh, in contact and knowing where I am, it's a, it's a safety measure basically. Uh, so if something happens, the, the GPS lets her know, sends her a, a call or a text letting know something happened and I try to train uh, with company as much as possible so there are no accidents no surprises basically that's where we're praying now not to to, to happen again um, I have a few short questions for you to answer now um, from the three segments of triathlon swim bike or run which one you prefer which one? That's a tough one. Uh, I like them all for different reasons. Currently, uh, or not, uh, it's a bit weird. I like cycling a lot, out of the three, uh, because it's one that allows you to explore and it allows you to be a little bit free, basically. Swimming is also good. It's more of 
alone with your head, you end up thinking a lot alone. You're not uh, with other people that longer because you're in, you're in water, you're not talking. Counting tiles. <laughs> exactly, you're counting tiles. And it's a, a more introspective. You're looking at yourself and you're thinking. And that's a good part of it. But I don't like thinking too much alone, you know. So, and running, well, running for me, since it was the last thing I started doing and I'm not very good at it, it's the, it's the thing I dislike the most because it hurts your legs. It's painful. <laughs> but, it is, uh, yeah, it is. Well, all the three of them can hurt your legs when you, when you do them hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it also has its benefits. Uh, there's, not, there's not many feelings like finishing a hard run. It's a really good feeling. It's uh, overcoming an obstacle. That's basically it. Mm -hmm. Between Kona or Olympic Games, which one would you prefer to win? Oh, winning. Uh, if I could win the Olympics, I was set. Set for life. <laughs> uh, yes, I, but it's tough. It's a very, very tough. But if I had to choose... Don't think it will happen, but if I had to choose, Olympic Games. From every four years. <laughs> yeah. As you know, our hashtag is Believe, Strive, Achieve. What is Believe, Strive and Achieve for you? Believe is... Believe is not just uh, in the condition what is outside of you, is believing in yourself. Uh, if you believe you can do something, your body will follow. And if your body will follow, you'll strive. You'll, you'll be able, your body will ask you for what you want. It will push you there and you'll feel that. You'll feel better. You'll feel uh, improving things. And then the end result, achieve. What you focused on, what you worked for, you will uh, achieve it. That's good. That's very good. Anyway, I don't have any any more questions. Um, I don't know if you want to share anything for those who are listening. I know this was a life change for, for you and for those who are around you and surround you. Uh, for me, definitely it was. Um, we have been all in a very dark place during those times, but seeing you back in triathlon, back in life, makes everything much much brighter, much much easier to, to deal with. Um, is there anything you'd like to, to tell people, um, not just triathletes, but people in general that are listening to this, that you want to advise them? If you could give a message to, to those who are listening, uh, what would it be? So if you're ever in one of those dark places, if you, you can figure out what you're doing, if you're doing is right, if not... Uh, I've been there as well. Uh, it's f get help from your friends. They will help you either if they try it or not, if they know it or not. Just being around the people you love, it's the most important thing you can do. I agree. Enjoying life more. Exactly. The small things. Exactly. The small details, that, that's what uh, brings the spice to life. That's the most important part. 
that was good. David, thank you very much for, for this. Um, as I have been the possibility to tell to some people that I know, this changed the way of seeing things. Um, so I know it was not for a, a good cause, but thank you for that. Um, please be careful on the road. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Always wear a helmet. Uh, this one saved your life, definitely. Um, and don't risk too much because there is no, no need for us to do that. This is a sport for us to have fun. Of course, we all have our goals, but putting our life in danger is not worth it at all. And um, I'm very glad that you went back to, to what you were before. You went back to active training, to active life, to have a normal life. But um, this one went well at the end, but sometimes it's not like that. So for those who are listening, um, enjoy as much as possible, but don't risk it too much. I think this exactly. is the... Take the care of your body. Yeah. And yeah. it will take care of you. Exactly. So thank you very much. I hope you guys have enjoyed this one. Um, David, I'm looking forward to see you in Oueraj at the end of, of May. I'll be there at the finish line uh, yelling at you to go faster now. Um, That's awesome. a pleasure. So I hope that um, everyone have enjoyed this one and to, to see you next week. Thank you. Thank you. A lot. <laughs> And here we are again, Philip and I. Um, so, Philip, what did you think about David's story? I kind of speechless, to be honest with you, Diego. That was uh, it was quite a story. I think he was really brave to be able to talk about it, um, and I think showed a lot of courage to be able to get on the bike again. But I guess, as he says, and as you said as well, that he can't remember very much. So, for him, he's just continuing doing what he loves. Um, I guess maybe there's a bit of a lesson there around um, how much an athlete's head gets in the way of potentially their performance. And, you know, if you, if you think about it, what he's saying is, well, I didn't don't remember anything, so I'm not thinking about it, so I'm carrying on doing what I love. And how many times do we stop ourselves from doing something that we enjoy purely because our head starts taking over? Uh, or we get anxious before a race by because our head starts taking over. We think about the enormity of what it is that we're doing in the big picture. And he's just sat there focusing on what he loves. So sort of life's quite simple. Um, <laughs> I, guess I, I, think, I think that was my, one of my big, uh, big takeaways um, from that. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, I, I know David since 10 years, maybe more than that. And um, of course, I can see a difference between the David before the accident and after the accident. And the thing is, um, I think one of the biggest lessons I, I can take from this conversation we had is the small things matter the most. Um, and the race itself is not the big deal. It's a process of, of it, you know. And um, this can be a lesson even for David. Now enjoying the process, I think he enjoys much more now than he did before the crash. And I think that for us that saw everything and lived everything is harder to, to deal with, even for example, for his wife and for his parents. Um, I know how it was their reaction when he said, well, I'm going to keep doing this because this, this is what I love to do. Um, I know that their reaction was not very positive and I can understand why. Um, no one can imagine to go through this all over again. And I hope this will never happen again to, to none of any athletes. Um, 
but I think that he showed how strong he can be mentally, not just physically, because the physical parts, your body just recovers from it. But sometimes, as you said, the mind plays a huge, huge role on this recovery. And David showed how strong he can be, not just for training, just for racing, but to live, to go back, living back again to normal life. And I think that recovering from this kind of injuries where he had to learn how to walk over again. And if you think about this, it was in August and we are in May. So it's been seven, eight months. It's nothing. In terms of time-wise, it's nothing. And his recovery has been amazing. And I think that, as he said on the podcast, the willpower is a secret. If you want to do it, if you uh, have this kind of strength in you to, to achieve all the small steps, because it were small steps who brought him back to where he is right now, I think that's the secret to, to recover this way. And even for the physiotherapists, for the doctors who, who were with him, it was a big surprise because no one expected to be this quick. And um, yeah, this was a life uh, lesson for, for me. And I hope that those who are listening to this podcast can take this um, this with them. That maybe the, the, the races that they have in terms of goal is not the most important, but all the things that are around that is what matters the most. And, um, and I know that sometimes you take huge risks doing training, going on the bike rides. And the thing is, is it really necessary? So I don't know. It's it's been a, a huge huge lesson, and um, I I heard this story before, so I just wanted to record it on the podcast because I think this is quite quite important for everyone to to listen and to to learn a new new thing every day. And with David was was that he learned every single thing over again every single day until now, and he's still learning. I wonder if David would. Um, argue that yes you can take big risks but in his mind it's fun so why wouldn't you and I just wonder uh, Diego how how you reflect on this because this I mean it's obviously a big thing but a lot of what you're talking when you were talking to him I felt that you're almost projecting your feelings onto kind of how he should be feeling and I guess that's the, the normal way that anybody responds to anything like this. They sort of put themselves in that situation. And because he doesn't have a situation to kind of to think about, he was just like, well, that just happened to me. But everybody else around him, you know, his wife is projecting the same situation. And that's why they have a GPS traffic around him. Um, I don't think he's been arrested or anything. Um, so, you know, <laughs> so, you know, it's, everyone's projecting sort of their feelings onto onto them. And I guess an interesting parallel to that is um, when you go pre-race, for example, or pre, you know, anything big, people start projecting their sort of thoughts on it. People who may be less um, kind of comfortable in that arena say, oh my God, are you going to go do that race? It's really hilly. It's really hard. It's really hot. And these are your kind of, I guess, everybody else's fears, which they're projecting onto the individual. And the amazing thing about this conversation, I think, at least from a psychological perspective, is when you look at David, he just doesn't really take any of that on because, yeah, it happened and everything, but he can't really experience it because he was never there. But if you turn that back to sort of that you know, big hard race which is coming up or you know, the big waves are there and people start talking about them, you can kind of see them for yourself and you can kind of see that they're big and you can kind of understand some of the implications of it. And that's not to say that David seems to be going around totally blissfully unaware of everything, but if you, you can see how other people have a greater influence on your attitude 
maybe that you might see and I guess a lesson for, for people is think about what you're saying before you say it to somebody because you have no idea um but in the same in the same way I guess you know also think about what the fact that other people if they start talking about it they're probably scared of it themselves and that's why they're telling you these things you know pre-race you sort of sit there going oh it's really cold you know start worrying about the cold or worrying about the temperature and it being a really hot race it's gonna be so hot you can almost put yourself into a massive hole and a problem before you get anywhere near a hot or a cold race or a hilly or a hard race and it's just other people's fears being projected onto you and i think there's some interesting psychology going on there yeah i think you you're right um as i as i said um the thing is i think well, for example we see athletes who have this kind of fear to go in open water uh, swimming and uh, most of it is because they experience something bad for at any time in their life or that they can think something bad. Or they can think, have, because yeah. someone told them that this is dangerous. Um, I'm remembering now an episode of someone that we know that is scared of open water swimming because someone said it is a giant squid in the water. And you know this one. But the thing is, there is nothing there that can you know, uh, make you any, any harm. And I think with the, with the video system, he, he didn't, well, he experienced, but at the same time, he was not there. So he's, he doesn't remember anything. He doesn't have any trauma, any any bad feelings about it because he doesn't remember anything and even for us that we experienced we didn't leave the situation itself we lived the, the other the other side of it where we just saw all the recovery all the crash how dangerous it can be but for him he wasn't there he was but he wasn't and i think this is um, something very positive because there is no trauma there is no no bad thoughts about it because for him it didn't, it didn't happen he experienced the recovery. That's something he can remember and how hard it was for him. But the crash itself, the dangers of, of the bike ride itself, he doesn't remember. So for him, it's exactly the same as it was before the crash. And I think that this kind of analogy that you said in terms of for us to expose our feelings to this is true. Um, and I, I can imagine some kind of parallel from this to the social media, where people tell you a lot of stuff and you just assume that what other people are telling you is the truth when you just tend to forget to focus on yourself mostly, and then on race days, on workouts, or any kind of life experience that you have, you tend to think more about what other people say about it than what you can live out of it. Um, so yes, it's an interesting um, situation. Um, and now that you said that, I can, I can relate to that, that uh, maybe I'm exposing my own feelings because I, I still ride my bike, I, I'm his coach, I'm his friend, I saw everything, so I can have this kind of um, fear of have something happen to me, but the thing is, if this happened, it can happen, but are you going to stop living because of that, or are you just going to keep going, going and having the best of it, that's how, what the bit is doing, he's having fun doing what he loves, and he said, I'm not going to stop unless, you know, something really, really bad happens to me, but why would I, so this happened, but... Um, and has has he been able to logically understand what happened within um, the the bike crash? So um, obviously he knows he had an accident, but does he know it was because he was going too fast, or he was um, you know hitting a thing and the car was on the wrong side of the road? Like, is he able to logically and objectively sort of compartmentalize what happened, or is it um, is it still something which he just sort of has to? The thing is, say it just happened. Not, one of those um, things. He was not alone, so there was uh, two of our friends who were riding with him. One was with him at the moment he, he crashed. And the thing is, David is very good at bike handling. He's very, very good. And we did that descent 
I don't know, hundreds of times already. And there is a corner that we know can be tricky and he knows it. But in that specific day, he was going, as usual, he was going fast. And for some reason, he lost the control of the bike and he went to the other side of the road where the van was coming. Until now, we don't know what, what caused that. Because mm -hmm. it was not a normal situation where someone just gets scared and gets scared and goes to the other side of the road. Something happened. We don't know if it was a flat tire, uh, something that was on the road made him go to the other side. But no one can explain what happened and why he went to the other side of the road and hit in the van that was coming um, the opposite direction. So I don't think uh, he, he understands what happened because no one can explain him what happened. He knows the, the accident, what what caused all the damage to his body. Yeah, sure. But not what the actual cause the accident. Yeah. He knows the results of the crash. He knows everything. But what made him go to the other side of the road, no one knows it. And um, I think it's going to be a mystery for the rest of our lives because no one saw it. So... And, and maybe he and he's obviously been able to just say, "Well, it just happened," and other people are thinking about it a lot more. And sort of, yeah, interesting, yeah. interesting way to, to look at things. But yeah, it was um, it was a very good one, and um, I'm very proud to be his coach and to be his friend, and to leave all the the to saw to see everything that he went through, and how strong he can be, and um, his way of approaching life is is a lesson for all of us. I think it definitely is. It really is a nice, uh, nice way to look at life. Anyway, I'm looking forward for the next podcast and um, for the next guest. Me too. Thank you very much, Diego. Thank, Thank you. you very much. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. Bye-bye. The Believe Strive Achieve podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment and show notes are found at trytrainingharder.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Try Training Harder. Thanks for listening.